supposed to be. That's good. I appreciate that. I don't know. I, I had a harder time getting up today. How about you? Yeah. I'm losing that hour. Just kind of. All right. Today we're starting uh, first one, a two-part series, preparing for Family and Friend Day on May 21st. Long ways off, but uh, I want to start thinking about this. And we've entitled this sermon, Getting Out of Neutral. Getting Out of Neutral. We've got to do something about that. The church at Loveland, in many ways, is in neutral. And, and I want us to get off that and get in gear and get something going again. Let's pray, please. Father, thank you for being our God today. All who are here this morning, bless them. That's our message. God, your spirit can use in a big way. God, give us strength to be your people, instruments you can use every day, all the time. Thank you for saving us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're talking about personal evangelism here today. This Sunday, next Sunday, will be both the same. Same thing. Brother Archie Word, years and years ago, would preach up and down the California coast. They would get a car, they put these big loudspeakers on top of the roof, and they'd ride right around town with a microphone, and they would announce a special meeting at the church at such a time. And you know what happened? People flocked to the church. That was a long time ago. 30, 40 years ago, we were able to make 17 door-to-door -door calls, door-to-door uh, -door calling, and I got one Bible study from that. It was good. 20 years ago, we had a thing called bus ministry, where you go out and pick up a bunch of kids in the community, brought them to church, and, and that's how evangelism was done. 10 years ago, we built the building. They said, if you build, they will come. They didn't. The church at Loveland just tried many tools to get people to come to church. The Education Bible School, we always enjoy that. Craft Day, Thanksgiving dinner, concerts, soccer camp, floats in the parade, mailings, bounce houses, community yard sales, and so on and so on. There's nothing wrong with these. They're not sinful. A few have come through those means. A few people have become Christians because of that. But if you look around you this morning, I dare say that most are here because and faithful because of a friend or a relative invited you. The original plan still works. Still works best. May I introduce to you this morning E1B1. Stands for everyone bring one. On May 21st, I would like for every one of you to bring one person, just one, to church with you on that morning. 
and I don't know what we're going to do because we're going to rent our room. But what an awesome problem that is. So anyway, that's what we're going to do. Now, to kind of get this thing rolling, we have a little video here by the skit guys that uh, it just, yeah, well, this. Evangelism is not for the weak, all right? I should know, I wrote a whole book about it. Self-published. Most Christians, they are just good for bake sales and potluck dinners. But I'm telling you this right now. It takes a lot of moxie to grab a non-believer by the shirt collar and throw in the front doors of a church and say, Hey, try living out your heathen life in front of a holy God that way. It is like holy water to a vampire. That's divine intervention, my friend. Repent for the kingdom of the Lord is nigh. Come to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
called me. I was working at a grocery store. I was in the back cutting carrots, and my buddy called me. And he said, hey, do you want to go to church with me tonight? And uh, I remember his words. He said, sure, I got nothing better to do. And I went to church with him. And, you know, I went there because they were serving pizza that night. Um, I don't remember what was said. I don't remember what was sung. During the services, I remember praying for him. Just asking God to please reach out and touch his heart or do something because I knew he needed Jesus. And then um, God answered my prayers. That night changed my life. September 17th, 1987. Changed my life because I realized I needed a Savior. Well, it's kind of a funny way of illustrating what personal evangelism is all about. What we really need isn't a secret tool. There are dozens. What we really need is a way to get ourselves in a regular practice of sharing our faith in some way. We need to go ahead and make the move from getting what's in our heads and our hearts out through our hands. How are we going to do that? Number one, create an everyone wins situation. It's, it's fear. Losing. Getting defeated. But when you talk to people spiritually in depth, we're afraid we'll do it wrong. Or well, they'll ask a question we can't answer. Or they'll engage in an argument we can't win. But you know what? And we may lose a friend, and, and and we. But you know what? There's only three outcomes when you bring somebody to church. When you tell somebody, you ask somebody, "Hey, why don't you come go to church with me?" There's only three outcomes. Number one, they get converted. The best thing that happens is they get converted. Hey. Have you considered how the thing you're searching for in life could be your need for a relationship with Jesus? A real relationship with Christ? That person listens, responds, and become a Christian. You win a friend in Christ, and that person wins. That happens a lot. Number two, a thing can happen when we share our faith or invite people to church. They, you share your faith, you invite them to church, but they come later. You win, they win. Hey, have you ever thought about your family needs to be involved in the church, especially your kids? That person listens but doesn't respond right now, but then later, a year later, here they come. A win-win situation. You share your faith. But sometimes you share your faith and they reject. That's what hurts. Hey, are you sure you, after you die, you'll go to heaven? And that person looks at you and says, who cares? I don't even think there is a heaven. I never realized that a weak-minded person, you really, you really are. You believe in that junk? I mean, that's the, the comeback that they give sometimes. Now, you might think that's a lose-lose situation, but it's not. First Peter 4, verse 14. This is what it says. Count it a blessing when you suffer for being a Christian. Well, me, you invite people to church and no, I'm not going, I don't believe in that stuff. I don't need that. 
I can't believe you want to do that too. And, but it says count in a blessing when you suffer for being a Christian. This shows that God's glory spirit is, in, is with you. But you deserve to suffer if you are a murderer, a thief, or a crook, or a busybody. Don't be ashamed to suffer for being Christian. Praise God that you belong to Him. In other words, you share your faith in Jesus, in Christ. Even if the other person rejects it, you still win. The person who rejects loses, but you don't. The fact is, the only situation where everyone loses is when, where you and I fail to invite and to share our faith. So in order to create a winning situation, what do we do? We create a win-win situation. We keep talking, inviting. Another way to get out of neutral is to go. Go. Don't wait for them. In the U.S., right here this morning, right here in Loveland, why are there empty chairs around us? How come, uh, how come there's not people flocking in here? Why, why is that? I know from our perspective, there ought to be plenty of people here, but they're not. Let me give you an illustration. What's happening, maybe you can understand it better in this way. Imagine there's a contagious disease called, now please use your imagination, okay? It's called megahydramania. You get that? Omega means major or big. Hydra means water. And mania means you're obsessed. Something like that. It has one symptom. Everyone that gets it becomes outrageously thirsty. Only drinking doesn't cure the disease. It only helps for a short time. And then you're thirsty all over again. And it becomes an epidemic. And, and in comes the government. Problem solved. Hmm. They just provide free bottled water for everyone. You know, that's what they do. Anyway, and, and they feel better for a short time, but, but then there's, they have to have more because it doesn't last that long. But then there's a cure for mega hydromania. A shot in the arm that takes away the disease and its symptoms. Some people understand that that the cure would actually solve the problem and they find a way to provide the cure for anyone who wants it. And they actually have right beside the booth where the government sets up to give free water, they set up this other booth to say, hey, here's the cure. Just get the shot. You don't have to worry about this again, ever. But no one gets in line for the cure. Everyone gets in line for water bottles. Drink till they feel a little better, and they leave and come back, and got to have some more. Why? We don't understand. We offer the cure free. We haven't told people how it would help them by clever sayings like this: "The shot is the answer." At summertime, when there's everyone is really thirsty, we wore buttons that said, "The season is the reason for the shot." You're getting the drift, but no one came. Why not? We live in America. 
We are the wealthiest large group of people in the world. We have running water and electricity. No one has to go hungry or without clothes. So what do you need if you live in the USA? Well, you need a cell phone and an iPad. You're not going to get that at church anywhere, as far as I know. And then there are people who really do look more carefully at their practices and decide they need love, acceptance, companionship, and a place to serve. Do they think church is a place to really find that? Well, they usually don't. But we as the church, the church of love, and say, well, well, we're nice people. Do we all say that? Do all agree that we think we are nice people? How many of us think we're nice people? Come on. All right, all right. But the world doesn't know that. They don't know that. Most people aren't going to find the church just because the building's here. And many people's concept of what goes on inside church is very jaded, very twisted. Besides, they don't know that the church has anything and everything they really need. That's just the way it is. Now, we can look at this in two ways. People don't come. Why? We can sit back and say, well, it serves them right. We're here. If they want to come, they will. If they don't, tough. Or, we can pay attention to what's going on in our culture. We can do what Jesus did and, and said in the first place. We can go. Friend, you and I have a, our own sphere at work or school. We can say to those people, would you come and go to church with me Sunday? We can say that. They have really what we need. What they need. We have what they need. I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, the Great Commission, this passage is known for that. Look what it says there, Matthew 28, starting verse 18. Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, when you look in the Greek, this is what it is meaning. Having gone, it's already going on. Our scripture says, go therefore. It literally means having gone into all the world. Jesus makes this assumption that his followers would go into the world with the good news. Having gone, they make disciples. That's the main verb. That's our goal, to help people become devoted followers of Jesus Christ. But what is involved? Well, as you are baptizing them, as you are teaching them to obey everything I command you, to make disciples for Christ. We like the first two parts. I'm sorry. We like the last two parts. We like to baptize people. <clears throat> and we like to teach them. But we don't like the first part very well. The going. The going. 
go talk about this. Going might mean walking across the room to someone. Going might mean you go to a trip overseas. Or you might live overseas. Going might mean you make the first move when it comes to getting to know your neighbors or someone at school or at work. Or as for us as a church family, it must mean more than just sitting up shop and waiting to see who shows up. We need to be going into this community that people without Jesus know they matter. You're important to us. So they will understand what we really do here. They really have a cure for the thirst that just won't go away. Now, what are we talking about here? Fish don't normally jump into the boat. Mine, they don't anyway. Good soil doesn't chase down the seed. Lost sheep, lost coins, lost sons don't find themselves. Darkness doesn't make itself light. Food doesn't salt itself. You and I need to initiate the whole thing. We have to be on the move because, friend, listen to me, I know someone else is on the move. He's very devoted to getting people. And his only goal is to devour them. Ruin their lives. Our enemy, Satan, is on the move. We need to be on the move too. Don't wait then to go to come to us. We need to go. We get, need to get out of neutral. We, everyone needs to bring one. Number three. We need to stop negative thinking about we need to stop making negative judgments about people. A guy who had a lot of pride in his lawn had a rash of dandelions one spring. He tried everything to get rid of them. And finally, he phoned the State Department of Agriculture. After telling everything he has tried, he asked them, what to do next? They said, try getting used to them. I don't like dandelions in my yard. My yard's not that nice at all. But I, I, I despise dandelions. Spray for them. I pick, when they turn yellow, I go around and pick all the heads off. I, I do everything I can. And guess what? My yard still has dandelions. Try getting used to them. People who are different than you, who make you uncomfortable, who are living just plain wrong lives, aren't going to disappear. You can't make them go away. Try getting used to them. Try instead to have them around you. We all bring assumptions into our encounters with other people. Right or wrong. Happy or sad. 
We all come with a set of presuppositions. We make negative assumptions, don't we? Too often they're unfair, uninformed, just plain uncaring. We look at people outside and say, ah, they won't listen. They don't care. It's a lost cause. Two shoe salesmen. Two different companies were sent overseas to a remote area in Africa to see about potential for selling shoes. When each arrived, they began to study the market. They saw everyone was barefoot. Both salesmen phoned back to their home companies. The first one said, hey, no one here wears shoes. Hurry up, make arrangements. I'm coming home. The second one said, to his company. Hey, no one here wears shoes. Hurry up, make arrangements. Get as many shoes here as possible. What kind of outlook do you have? <coughs> do you see the bare feet and a need for shoes? Or do you see the bare feet and say, there's no need? Do you see people? And say, what's the use? Or do you see people and say, hey, we've got job security here. Or we can do it this way. We can look at all those lost sinners out there and say, we're outnumbered. We need to circle the wagons, get in, get safe, and don't go outside. We can shut the doors, we can lock them, so we're all here together now. We're safe. We can do that. That's as wrong as it can be. Our Lord Jesus looked at crowds of messed up people and called it a field white unto harvest. Do we have any messed up people out there today? I dare say they all are. Some worse than others, but they all need salvation. Matthew 9. Let's get a little deeper here. Starting there, verse 10. Matthew 9, 10 through 13. Later, Jesus and his disciples were having dinner at Matthew's house. Now, Matthew was a IRS guy. Okay? Most of us here have a friend who's an IRS guy. He used to be. He's not anymore. But how many friends do you have who are IRS guys? Anybody have one? Many tax collectors and other sinners were also there. Some Pharisees asked Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and other sinners? Jesus heard them and answered, healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. Go and learn what the scriptures mean when they say, instead of offering sacrifices to me, I want you to be merciful to others. I didn't come to invite good people to be my, to be my followers. I came to invite sinners. The sick ones. Jesus said it was the sick who needed a doctor. When he saw people who were harassed and helpless, 
They were deceived and lost, who seemed immersed in lifestyles that were far from God. He didn't assume they weren't worth his time and effort. He did not assume they wouldn't listen to something of value. He assumed they were people who really needed the message of life. Friend, listen to me. We need to put practice putting aside our negative thoughts about people because they look poor or worldly or rough or ignorant or dangerous. Assume instead they are lost without hope and they need a chance to respond to Christ. Here's an idea. Take a trip to one of the big malls around. Anywhere there's a bunch of people. And watch them for one half hour. Practice looking at them as people who need Christ. Rather than people you wish would just stay away from you. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm just telling you how it is. We need to look at the guy who's all covered up with tattoos and piercings. Or the homeless lady. Or the 12-year-old trying to look like a, she's 25. Or the 50-year-old lady trying to look like she's 16. And we need to pray for them. We need to put away wrong assumptions and assume the right assumption. They are people who need Christ. As tough as it may look at yourself on the inside. Church, we need to do just that. We need to look at ourselves to figure out what about the church at Loveland might prevent people from being here right now. Can I honestly say, can you honestly say, I really concerned about them. I want to talk to them. They seem pretty normal. And so I, I, I think I can talk to them. But what about the person over here who is down out? Arla and I were in San Antonio, Texas a while back and walking along the river walk. Beautiful place. But also in beautiful places there are the homeless. And we walked by just one, there was two of them together, they had two dogs, they were laying there. I mean, their clothes were filthy and dirty and junk and trash all over there in that one little spot. And, and uh, and they stunk. Oh my. You walked by and we, Arlo and I just, whew. I didn't do that, but I thought that. What should we do about that? Oh, stay away from me. I don't want anything to do with you. Wouldn't it be worth 
taking away our pride, our comfort, our personal taste, our personal security, long enough to see people one, two, Christ. Because people do need the Lord. Friend, this message has been directed mostly to people, Christians, who are already followers of Christ this morning. But I hope it also gives some insight into what it means to truly be a follower of Jesus. We are simply fellow beggars who have found a source for bread. And our master wants it shared with many as we can bring along with us. No one ever came to Christ without hearing about him. Someone told me, my best friend at the time, Danny Babbitt, said, come go to church with me every single day for two solid weeks because there was a revival meeting going on. We hunted together, we fished together, we played football together, we ran track together. I mean, close buds. But he would not let me go. Gary, you need to come to church with me tonight. Would you please come with me? I said, okay, I'll get you off my back. Will you stop this if I come? Yes, I will. Okay. And that's all it took. Someone told me about Christ. Today you've heard about him too. His great priority is your soul. The reason he endured the cross with all the shame and the pain that went along with it includes you. He wants you to be a part of the souls of forgiven people living for him, with him forever. Let's get out our neutral. Everyone bring one. That's what we're working at. Start working, praying, talking to someone for that day, family and friend day, May 21st. You don't have to wait till then to do it. We got this early enough so you can start doing it now. From now till then, talk to people. Pray and say, hey, would you come to church with me? Thank you for listening today. I pray that something I've said can bless your life.